Welcome to the More Than a Physique podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, online fitness coach, content creator, and competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. In this podcast, we help you discover your inner athlete. Each episode will enhance your life as we provide you insights on all things health, fitness, and personal development. Now let's bring out your inner athlete. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the More Than a Physique podcast, where we discuss ways to ignite all areas of your life surrounding health, fitness, and becoming mentally elite. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist at The Natty Hour, and welcome everybody to episode 72. Today, we are going to talk about how to break a plateau. In particular, how do you know if you are truly in a plateau? And if so, how do you break through it so you can continue to see progress? Before we can discuss these matters in more detail, let's take some time to define what a plateau is. And a plateau can be defined as a state of little to no change following a period of activity or progress. Hitting a plateau is often the first thing people think of when they haven't seen progress in either the scale, if they're trying to lose weight, or perhaps progress in the gym with their performance. And it's great people are trying to problem solve like this when it comes to measuring their progress, but often we make a biased assumption that we've hit a plateau and need to make an adjustment before looking at the entire picture. Jumping the gun and making an unnecessary adjustment to your program or calories can impact the results in the long run. Therefore, it is crucial to take a step back and objectively analyze the entire situation. That leads us into the first part of today's discussion, and that's how do we know if we've truly hit a plateau. A common scenario when one is in a weight loss phase is where progress is seen on a week-to-week and maybe even a day-to-day basis. And after three to four weeks, you see a good two to three weeks where the scale hasn't moved. It's at this point a lot of individuals assume that they've hit a plateau. And perhaps they did But we can't come to this conclusion strictly on this timeline alone. There are several other avenues we need to visit before we can come to an unbiased conclusion. First and foremost, we need to assess your accuracy. Whether you're tracking your macros or following a meal plan, how accurate and adherent have you been? This is where you have to be honest with yourself and even your coach. This part of the analysis is not meant to point blame or make you feel guilty, but just more so to problem solve so you can rectify the issue and move forward from there. So don't be afraid to be honest with what's going on. And if you're working with a coach who is making you feel guilty for being a human being and not being perfect, A word to the wise, find a new coach. So with assessing your accuracy, you need to assess your lifestyle first and foremost. This is definitely the most important step in analyzing if you've truly hit a plateau or not. 
and it will require some work. So what do I mean by assessing your lifestyle? Like anything, there's going to be a trade-off. If you are overly rigid with your diet, you are going to lose some of your flexibility, which may yield some loss of your sanity and enjoyment in life. However, progress will occur a little bit closer to your expectations. So it's up to you to find that balance for yourself based off of your lifestyle and your goals. Let's go over an example. So if you aren't that social and eating 100% of your meals on your own from your own kitchen is easy for you, clearly you're going to see an increase in your accuracy, which reduces the amount of scale weight fluctuations and that's going to optimize the rate at which you want to yield results. However, if you are the type of person who is a social butterfly and you need to go out maybe once a week, There's nothing wrong with that, but you need to understand that just because the nutrition facts for a meal at a restaurant are available online doesn't mean that those are the actual calories that you're going to be consuming. Therefore, your accuracy, it will go down, which can cause a stall in your progress. So once you understand this balance between accuracy and flexibility, it may be necessary to try to increase your accuracy if you haven't seen any progress in a few weeks. And the reason we wanna do this is because quite often just cleaning up your accuracy can get things moving again. And if this happens, we clearly haven't truly hit a plateau. Instead, we just needed to tidy things up a little bit. So how can we tidy up our accuracy even further? Because we already mentioned the implications of eating out. So with that example, Reducing or even temporarily eliminating how much you're eating out just for a short period of time. It doesn't have to be forever, but this can help make a huge difference with tightening things up and getting things moving again. And there are several other ways we can increase our accuracy if eating out, for example, isn't an issue. So let's just quickly touch on a few of these examples here. The first one that comes to mind is to stop eyeballing portion sizes. We want to try to avoid eyeballing portion sizes as often as possible. Even the most experienced trackers can't accurately eyeball their portion sizes. But yes, eyeballing does get you into a good ballpark, but most people do underestimate how much they're actually eating. So we want to take this very seriously. The next thing that comes to mind is tracking alcohol. This is often done incorrectly and can be very detrimental to your progress. Now, I would argue that consuming alcohol on a regular basis isn't conducive of a healthy lifestyle, but for the rare occasion that you do want to enjoy a beverage here and there, it's best to track that alcohol accurately than not doing it at all because alcohol is very calorie dense so it definitely can add up and therefore stall your progress so when you're tracking alcohol things that you want to keep in mind are you don't want to go off of the macros listed on the back of the label you have to account for the calories as well within the alcohol so we want to track the overall calories to our carbs or our fats and this like i said will allow you to account for the calories in alcohol So if the calories, for example, in a drink are 100 calories, 
all you would do is divide that by four to allocate 25 grams to your carbohydrates, or if you would prefer to allocate that to your fats, you would take the 100 calories, divide it by nine, and that's 11 grams of fat for the day. All right, moving on, we actually don't want to measure our food by volume. What we actually want to do is ensure we are measuring our food by weight. So what I mean by this is that we want to focus on weighing out our food versus using measuring cups, for example, because cups and measuring spoons are far less accurate than using an actual digital food scale. So for example, half a cup of oatmeal on the back of the label shows 40 grams, but if we weigh it out, it comes closer to about 52 grams. So that's a difference of 75 calories. If we are doing that constantly with multiple different types of food throughout the day, you can see how those calories will quickly add up. All right, so let's move on here. Next, we wanna consider the food labels that you're using to track your macronutrients. So if you are relying on the macro tracking app and you're not even paying attention to the food label that's in front of you within the kitchen there, you want to ensure that you're not using non-verified entries. Now, even though MyFitnessPal and MyMacrosPlus have large food libraries, that doesn't mean we should use the first thing that we search for within the app because anyone can add their own entry to the food database and often those entries are incorrect. So we always wanna make sure that if we are searching for our food this way, we are using a verified green check to make sure that you are using the actual accurate nutrition label. All right, and the next one, you really wanna be honest with yourself here and that's are you having extra bites, licks, or tastes throughout the day? I understand there will be moments where you take an extra lick or taste here, here and there, especially if you're making your kiddo's birthday cake, for example, but we have to be mindful of those extra bites, licks, and tastes, especially if it's happening more often than not. The lick of peanut butter off of a spoon here and there can definitely lead to hundreds of extra calories accumulated over the day. All calories count even if you don't count them. So making these subtle adjustments like this can go a long way with getting things moving again so you aren't having to make an unnecessary adjustment to your program. Now if your accuracy is fine, you've taken a look at all of these different variables here and you still aren't seeing progress, you have to ask yourself, is it at this point that an adjustment to your program is needed? And we're not quite there yet. There are still a few things that we want to analyze before coming to the conclusion that we've reached a plateau. So after analyzing our accuracy and making the appropriate adjustments, it's time to analyze our consistency. We mainly want to consider the consistency of our meal timing, food choices, water intake, and protein distribution. Starting off with meal timing here, if one day you are having five meals and then the next day you have only two meals and then maybe the following day you have seven meals in a day, this right here is a lack of consistent meal timing and that can affect the timeline of your digestion, bowel movements, and will likely hinder an accurate representation of what the scale reports. In this situation, this can lead one to believe that they've hit a plateau 
when in actuality it may have just been a digestive issue, which could have been rectified from more consistent meal timing each day. So you want to try to play with to see what works best for you. Can you consistently consume four meals a day versus, you know, having it fluctuate on a day-to-day basis. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but it's important to know that if there are changes in the amount of meals that you're consuming throughout the day on a day-to-day basis, this can cause some discrepancies. Now, when it comes to our food choices, it's important to understand that we have to consider much more than just our macronutrient targets. We want to take into consideration our micronutrients and fiber intake as well. So for example, not consuming enough fiber or in reverse if you consume too much fiber, those things alone can cause digestive issues, which again, that's going to impact the results of the scale. You can kind of see a trend here, I'm sure, where the same implications arise from inconsistencies in our water intake and even protein distribution with each meal. So at this point, after we're done analyzing our consistency and we've made the appropriate adjustments again, we now want to take a look at our stress and sleep management before coming to the decision if we've hit a plateau or not. These two things right here are easily the most underrated yet extremely important considerations that we want to make sure that we are analyzing before making any unnecessary adjustments. So before we look into improvements we can make, let's just touch on why stress and sleep management are so important. So when it comes to stress, when our brain detects a stressor, our fight or flight response kicks in. And at that point, our brain is forcing resources needed for survival. We're in survival mode when fight or flight kicks in. So for instance, if we experience a stressful moment, our brain is going to send a signal to stop regular metabolic processes. So if we're in the middle of a digestion process, our brain sends a signal to put a halt on digestion. And instead, it wants those hormones to focus efforts on finding ways to reduce or eliminate that stressor. So this is fine to have those disruptions in our regular metabolic processes for momentary stresses, so such as lifting weights that only last about an hour a day, or if we have to maybe slam on our brakes in traffic, that's a momentary stress. Because after that stress is gone, our body has time to relax normalize and basically get back to its scheduled programming. The issue with stress arises when we are in a chronic state of stress where our body never gets a break from the need to be in this survival mode to combat that constant stress. Over enough time, this definitely can have some negative implications where other hormones are trying to adapt to get your body back to a relaxed state. We start to see many negative adaptations at this point, such as to our thyroid, our mood, muscle growth, gut health, recovery, sleep. So many different variables are impacted when we are in a constant state of stress. Now, when it comes to being constantly sleep deprived, we too see some concerning changes. We start to see memory loss, mood changes, increased risks in diabetes, weight gain, and even heart disease. So hopefully this alone just paints a picture just how important sleep and stress management truly are. 
So before we can even consider making an adjustment to your program, managing sleep and stress needs to be prioritized. So getting to the root of these issues is of course independent of the athlete and their situation, but implementing healthy habits to mitigate stress, you know, such as making sure that you are limiting social media use, taking deep breaths, exercising and eating healthy, as well to increasing sleep quality, those things need to be a priority. And it may take some time for sure to get your stress under control, especially if you have grown up that way where it's not something that you're used to reducing stress. Same thing with lack of sleep. If this is something that you've been dealing with for many years, it's not going to change overnight but it is worth putting that effort into making those adjustments that you need to having better stress and sleep management before even considering making an adjustment to your program. So analyzing, adjusting, and then managing all of these different variables, they can take some time to implement. It's not as simple as just coming to the conclusion that you've hit a plateau because you haven't seen progress in a couple of weeks. There are so many other complicated variables that need to be considered and rectified as well. And that leads me into the last consideration here, and that is a calorie cut realistic. So if you aren't seeing progress after looking at all of these variables and making the appropriate adjustments that you've made, then yes, at that point in time, it is probably best to make an adjustment by either reducing your calories or adding in more cardio to break through that plateau. And often this simple adjustment is all you need to break through a plateau and continue on with your weight loss goals. However, adjusting things downwards isn't so black and white. We have to make sure that you are ready for such an adjustment. And a lot of people, I just wanna touch on this quickly because they are under the assumption that your calories are fixed for the entire journey. So when people hear that they've hit a plateau, they don't recognize that that's actually normal and that's just a sign that you need to make an adjustment. So this assumption that your calories are fixed is not true at all. Your calories are actually never fixed and that's because your metabolism is always adapting to your energy balance. So for example here, say you need to lose 20 pounds in 20 weeks. If we start off this dieting period where you consume maybe only 1,200 calories because you think that that's your fixed calorie deficit amount that you need to achieve this goal, yeah, you know what? You might lose a good amount of weight right away, but eventually you're going to hit a plateau. Maybe you lose five pounds in the first five weeks, but you notice you're starting to plateau and you're not seeing the scale move down. You haven't seen it move maybe in three weeks. After careful consideration, maybe after everything that we just went through here with analyzing your accuracy, consistency, and stress and sleep management, we decide it's at that time to cut your calories to break through the plateau. This calorie cut, you know, it typically ranges actually between three to 500 calories in order for it to be significant enough to get things moving again. That means we need to drop your calories down to maybe 700 to 900 calories. And we still technically have 12 weeks left in our 20-week period. So what happens if we hit another plateau before the 12 weeks is up? And honestly, can we actually survive mentally and physically off 700 to 900 calories a day? 
I would argue it's not sustainable, but if you start off your cut at 1200 calories, it's not realistic to lose the full 20 pounds within that time period because eventually your body does adapt and it does plateau. And this is why it is so important at the start of your dieting phase. I know we've talked about this before, but making sure that you're consuming as many calories as possible. This is so you can prolong your dieting phase and be proactive when you are going to hit a plateau. That allows you to make reasonable calorie cuts during that time when plateaus occur because they will occur throughout your dieting phase. So before you make this adjustment, you need to just decide for yourself, is it realistic? And looking at what your calorie amount is right here, just based off of that example, kind of allows you to answer that question for yourself because I don't want your calories getting so low like this extreme example I just gave. So you can answer this question by asking yourself, you know, how long have I been dieting for? And is the thought of adjusting my calories down even further daunting? I'm definitely not trying to discourage anyone from continuing on with their weight loss phase, but it's important to recognize the signs that a diet break might be needed. And if you've been dieting for, say, longer than six months and you cringe at the thought of adjusting your calories down, then yes, it's at that point that you might need to consider a diet break. And dieting, we have to remember, is very hard on our nervous system. So if you aren't seeing results, it's because your nervous system is stressed and needs a break. If you don't give yourself this necessary break, you likely will not see the continued progress that you're looking for. It doesn't matter how hard you push yourself or how low your calories are. So bring your calories back up to your maintenance level Take a good amount of time off depending on your situation. You may only need a week or two. And remember that this will only help regulate your hormones, speed up your metabolism so you can activate a fat loss stage later on and just keep going. So if you haven't checked out episode 53, make sure that you do so you can learn how to implement a diet break if this is for you. At the end of the day, just remember that plateaus are normal and you can expect them to occur during your weight loss goals. It is going to happen during your journey and being proactive about it versus allowing them to discourage you can definitely allow you to be more strategic when it comes to deciding what your next move is. All right, team, that about wraps up this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, if you found it helpful as a thank you to me, please do me a huge favor and be sure to share this on your social media. Maybe share it with your friends and family. And if you haven't already, please be sure to go leave this episode a review on iTunes. It really helps me out. It helps other people find the episode so we can ensure that we help more people just like this episode was able to help you. So thank you all. I look forward to chatting with you all again very soon. But until then, go out there, strive for more, be more, and ignite your inner athlete.